Welcome to Bible Chapter Every Day. I'm Matthew. Our chapter today is Exodus 22. Let's ask God to bless our time today. Heavenly Father, as we read this chapter, we pray that you would help us to understand the principles of living right before you, how we should treat the people around us. We pray this through Jesus. Amen. Exodus 22. If a man steals an ox or small livestock and slaughters it or sells it, he will make restitution with five cattle in place of the ox and with four sheep or goats in place of the small livestock. If a thief is found in the act of breaking in and he is struck and he dies, there is not blood guilt for him. If the sun has risen over him, there is blood guilt for him. He will make full restitution. If he does not have enough, he will be sold for his theft. If indeed the stolen item is found in his possession, alive, from ox to donkey to small livestock, he will make double restitution. If a man grazes his livestock in a field or a vineyard, and he releases his livestock and it grazes in the field of another, he will make restitution from the best of his field and the best of his vineyard. If a fire is started and finds thorn bushes, and a stack of sheaves, or the standing grain, or the field is consumed, the one who started the fire will surely make restitution. If a man gives to his neighbor money, or objects to watch over, and it is stolen from the house of the man, if the thief is found, he will make double restitution. If the thief is not found, the owner of the house will be brought to the sanctuary to learn whether or not he reached out his hand to his neighbor's possession. Concerning every account of transgression, concerning an ox, concerning a donkey, concerning small livestock, concerning clothing, concerning all lost property, where someone says, This belongs to me, the matter of the two of them will come to God. Whomever God declares guilty will make double restitution to his neighbor. If a man gives to his neighbor a donkey, or an ox, or small livestock, or any beast to watch over, and it dies, or is injured, or is captured when there is no one who sees, the oath of Yahweh will be between the two of them concerning whether or not he has reached out his hand to his neighbor's possession, and its owner will accept this, and he will not make restitution. But if indeed it was stolen from him, he will make restitution to its owner. If indeed it was torn to pieces, He will bring it as evidence, the mangled carcass. He will not make restitution. If a man borrows from his neighbor, and it is injured or dies, while its owner is not with it, he will make restitution. If its owner was with it, he will not make restitution. If it was hired, it came with its hiring fee. If a man seduces a virgin who is not engaged, and he lies with her, he surely will give her bride price to have her as his wife. If her father absolutely refuses to give her to him, he will weigh out money according to the bride price for the virgin. You will not let a witch live. Anyone lying with an animal will surely be put to death. Whoever sacrifices to the gods, not to Yahweh, to him alone, will be destroyed. You will not mistreat an alien, and you will not oppress him, because you were aliens in the land of Egypt. You will not afflict any widow or orphan. If you indeed afflict him, yes, if he cries out at all to me, 
I will certainly hear his cry of distress, and I will become angry, and I will kill you with the sword, and your wives will be widows and your children orphans. If you lend money to my people, to the needy, with you, you will not be to him as a creditor, you will not charge him interest. If indeed you require the cloak of your neighbor as a pledge, you will return it to him at sundown, because it is his only garment, it is his cloak for his skin. In what will he sleep? And when he cries out to me, I will hear, because I am gracious. You will not curse God, and you will not curse a leader among your people. You will not delay the fullness of your harvest and the juice from your press. You will give me the firstborn of your sons. You will do likewise for your ox and for your sheep and goats. Seven days it will be with its mother. On the eighth you will give it to me, and you will be men of holiness for me. You will not eat meat from a carcass mangled in the field. You will throw it to the dog." Well, that's the reading. Let's dig in. In chapter 21, we started into some case law. Case law is in the form of, in this situation, here's what the judges should decide. Many of these laws seem to be built on the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments don't give specific punishments. They just said the categories of things not to do. So we start in chapter 22 discussing theft. If someone steals your ox and kills it or sells it, then you aren't getting that ox back, but the thief has to give you five oxen. If he steals your sheep and sells or slaughters it, then he has to give you four sheep. I'm not quite sure why the number is different. Perhaps the idea is that the ox is more valuable, but that doesn't quite settle it for me. Maybe the idea is that you work with the ox, such as plowing, so you really get used to your animal. So if you lose that animal, you're not just losing the ox, but all of the time it will take to connect with a new ox. A sheep while you could have an emotional attachment, will not be a loss of work, necessarily. If a thief breaks in to steal at night and is killed, then there is no punishment. But if he breaks in during the day and is killed, then it will be considered murder, or at least manslaughter. I think the idea is that at night, he must know that there are people there, so the thief may have intended to kill you. While during the day, he probably thinks you are away, so he isn't trying to kill you. And the deeper principle is that human life is more valuable than possessions. Also, if you catch him during the day, you could probably recognize the thief, so even if he takes something, you can later bring him to justice. A thief who is caught must pay back double. So, in that case, if he steals your ox, but still has the ox in his possession, then he has to give you your ox back, plus a second ox. Then we have some rules where negligence causes damage. And in that case, the person who caused the problem just has to pay for the damage. And God gives some guidance when it isn't entirely clear if it was a theft or a loss, such as when you leave something with your neighbor to take care of for you, but it disappears. The solution is to both appear before God. The man who had it in his possession last will take an oath before God that he didn't take it. If there is some evidence, such as if it was an animal and there was a carcass showing that it was eaten by a lion, then he is cleared on that evidence, because he obviously didn't steal it. On the other hand, if the neighbor borrowed the item, such as borrowing an ox to plow his field, if the animal is injured or dies, then he needs to pay for that loss. However, if the owner is there as well, then he doesn't have to pay. 
For example, if he wants to borrow the ox to plow his field, and he isn't used to working with oxen, so he hooks up the plow wrong, and the ox is hurt, then he needs to pay for the loss. But if the owner is there, then he should be watching and helping the man hook up the plow right, and if he doesn't get it hooked up right, then it's his fault that the ox is injured. Then we have this law about sex before marriage. Some people have suggested that this is connected with the laws about property that go before since the man has damaged the woman by having sex with her. On the other hand, this fits more with the commandment about adultery in the Ten Commandments. Sex outside of marriage is a sin against marriage. Now, it isn't as bad as adultery because no marriage has been destroyed here. So the solution is to make it right by getting married. If the father opposed the marriage, then the man still has to pay the usual bride price, as if he had got married. Then there is a command that a witch is to be killed, and then a command against bestiality, which again is a sin against marriage. And then there is this command against worshipping other gods, which is obviously connected to the first commandment, and also connected to the command about a witch, since a witch is calling on powers other than God. Then we switch gears to talking about caring for the needy and oppressed. And for these, no punishment is given. These are moral laws, and yet, in many cases, it would be hard to prosecute. In fact, the oppressed people can be oppressed because they don't have the means to fight for themselves, physically or legally. So God just says, don't mistreat them. He mentions aliens, i.e. foreigners, widows, and orphans. These are people who don't have a network of friends and family that will help them and keep them from being taken advantage of. God says if someone takes advantage of them, God will punish the offender, and their family will be left without a defender. This includes not charging a bunch of interest or being harsh to make sure that you get paid back. Today, that would be payday lenders or even credit cards. Then God gives them some commands about being holy to God, starting with not cursing God or a leader of the people. These are commands without a punishment stated, because they are not really commands for the judges of Israel to decide. God says to be sure to bring to God an offering of the first of the harvest and the firstborn animal and son. Of course, God already told them the offering they had to offer to redeem the firstborn son. And one more command about being holy to God, they were not allowed to eat roadkill or what is described as a carcass mangled in the field, so probably it was a lion kill in this case. And now for a deeper dive. The law of Moses goes through different types of laws, and he doesn't always give an explanation of what is behind the law, so we have to do some thinking to understand the principles. Paul applies the command about not cursing a leader to his situation before the council in Acts 23, where the high priest had ordered Paul to be illegally struck. But when Paul found out it was the high priest who ordered it, he said he shouldn't say anything, because the high priest is a leader from God. Paul also explained in his first letter to Timothy, chapter 5, that you should not listen to an accusation against an elder in the church unless there is more than one witness. He doesn't directly connect it to this command, but I think the principle is related. So while these rules are not given to us today, they still teach us important principles. God doesn't change, so the principles for how we should live are the same today as they were then. Scripture quotations are from the Lexham English Bible. Copyright 2012, Logos Bible Software. Lexham is a registered trademark, 
of Logos Bible Software.